Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Growth on My Terms podcast. This is Jimmy Truitt, your host, and I'm super honored to be here at the, the first major show for Unleashed 2018 here in Vegas. And I have with me Sandra of Levelhead. We're going to have an awesome conversation. We just came down the escalator, and I think we covered pretty much every topic around gender and business and everything. But we're going to try to capture it for you guys so you can get some really good nuggets and also learn about Levelhead and the great work that they're doing because I think it's so, so important to um, have an eye towards mindfulness. I think we've gone to the furthest end of the extreme in the workplace and so hopefully she'll shed some light on why that is and what Levelhead is doing to get ahead of that. So, Sandra, welcome. Thank you, Janine. That was, it's uh, already off to a good start with our conversation. So glad to have you. So, tell us a little bit about who you are and how Levelhead came to be. You bet. Well, I spent uh, 35 years in the financial services business. In the financial services business, one of the things that you're taught very early on, whether you're male or female, particularly if you're a female, is that emotions have no place in the workplace. And the fact of the matter is, we all have emotions, and and it is a long-standing belief that if you continue to deny them, then you'll make better decisions and you'll perform better. Well, now the science is clear that people perform better when their emotions are balanced, not ignoring them, but are balanced. And their, um, and their mind is focused. So after 35 years of being in business, I said, you know what, what is a good solution for this? And along the way, once I left uh, my company, I spent the past seven years researching um, a concept called mindfulness, right? And even, you know, seven years ago, there weren't a lot of people talking about it, particularly in the workplace. They were talking about it from a spiritual journey, or you know yoga and people still equate it to yoga so which <laughs> which it, it kind of is right um, but one of the things that I did is I deepened my practice I got deep and I started seeing some huge changes in myself and I'm like well why didn't I know this when I was working not only did it help me personally clear my focus be able to see the world in a different way why doesn't everybody know this? Now, obviously, the world has changed in seven years. Mm-hmm. It has changed rapidly in the past 18 months. And so now people talk a lot about it, but they really don't even understand what it is. So what we set about doing, if I make a long story short, was I developed this program as a result of, of teaching at a, a graduate school, um, a mindful leadership course. And I could see clearly that the 27 to 30, early 30-something, as I was saying, well, you need to work on in size, not learn the theory of leadership. You need to work inside yourself. And so I developed these, these practices within this class, and I could see real clear that they had no ability to sit still for more than 20 seconds. They're, they were antsy. You know, I'm trying to lead them through a two- or three-minute exercise. They couldn't do it. Wow. And so slowly over the, the course of a, a semester, and I taught this for three years, they would, they would be able to hold their attention longer and longer, which allowed me to create what I call these little bite-sized pieces of practicing. Now, the great news of it is, is that the science is now rolling in that said these small incremental practices can make major changes in the way you think, act, feel, and the way you relate to people. 
So I started, worked on that whole development. Lucky me, I ran into a real innovative executive, and he said, you know what, Sandra, this is really good stuff. But it's not really working one-on-one. -on -one. How are you going to get other people to do this? And so 18 months ago, we launched um, this technology company, which really so cool. built a, um, a digital platform. And this platform delivers the content that we developed, but it delivers it in bite-sized ways, and it delivers for the workplace. So the workplace, um, as we well know, is leader-led. And so a lot of people put these wellness programs out there, and they say, take it or leave it. Most people leave it. But we believe that if you can engage wellness, um, uh, wellness in the workplace through these practices that you'll get sustainability. Not only will you improve performance, but your employees will be well. <laughs> right. And happy at work. Because that's kind of important for them to even show up in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> and so we designed our platform so it has all the gamification in it. So you earn stickers. You can communicate inside uh, off the dashboard, which basically sends you a nose. Janine, I saw you um, demonstrate um, a really great way to position what you had to say in the meeting today that made the other person feel good. Uh, thank you for that. Um, it actually, you know, your focus and clarity was good, and so we have the ability to do that inside the app, which is a wonderful thing to do. Absolutely. Because research shows that one thing we're hungry for is recognition. Huge. Just even little bites of it. Um, back in the old days of dark ages where we used to hand out stickers and stars, mm -hmm. now we just do it electronically. Sure. Um, so we have the ability to communicate that way. So our whole platform, while we have these concepts that are related to mindfulness um, in our practices, it really is the platform that really allows leaders to do this. So we can engage at the team level. So if you're a giant company like my former uh, company, you could have something as small as three to five people in a team. So the team is really, the team leader is really engaging in these practices all, all the time in the workplace. Or you can be at the, at the high level and be able to do it as well. So we're, we're a platform meets content kind of a program that really leads to improved performance. I love that. That's so awesome. So, you know, part of what I've recognized as an HR practitioner um, and also now as a business owner is sometimes you can have a really great technology, but there's some things you've got to get at before you can get people to adopt it. And so I'm curious to hear what your experiences have been in terms of getting companies to um, employ a sense of empathy. Like there's a lot of talk this year about empathy and yes. also I'm very focused also on um, you know, a, a, a creating an environment that has the ability to make people feel psychologically safe. That's, that's and so how much are you having to deal with that with organizations before you can, because the, the technology right. runs itself. Like right. what you've got is like a slam dunk, but I imagine you have to get their minds wrapped around those concepts prior to them adopting. Janine, you hit the nail on the head, is that if you, if the organization, one of the things that we recognized really early on as we started talking to organizations, is that you can deploy this in the system and it'll just sit there. Somebody can buy it and engage us to do this work and if they don't support it and they don't have a mission and all the other things that are going on that build on this, it's gonna fail. If they don't recognize that they have a, a problem, 
lack of trust in the, you know, it's, it's, that is a huge issue. Most employees do not trust their employer. Right. And, you know, and that's not me saying that, it's research that says that. And that there's very little loyalty on either side. And that, you know, which is really the irony of it is, when you talk to both the leaders of an organization, talk to the employees, they want that. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to, first of all, recognize that it's an issue. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, whether it's the HR professional or the CEO, if they don't recognize that's an issue, frankly, we just move on. Right. And that's, you know, I'm in business to make money, but I'm not in the business of trying to do something that a company doesn't really understand what they're trying to accomplish. So we are a very mission-driven company, which means we do our best to assess if this is the right fit for you and right now. And so unless they recognize that's an issue or have them, we, we make them say, what is your purpose for doing this? Why are you doing this? And explain to your employees in that kind of simple language of why you're doing that. Um, and are you okay with the transparency? That part. Right? Yeah. And the vulnerability, mm -hmm. which means you, the leader, you know, you've got to expose yourself. This is all new to you, too. Mm -hmm. And you're going to learn together and to be co-leaders in a lot of places. Like, for example, we have... Um, we recognized really early on that it was a change process. So we built all these change management tools that are available teams all the way down to the team leader, which is, I'll give you a great example, and we got this from one of our clients, we created what we call Mindful Moments, which means two to three minutes at the beginning of a meeting or the begin a quick start to the day, like in a healthcare organization, it's a shift change. We're gonna talk about compassion. Right? Talk about gratitude. You, here's a quote. Here's why I picked this for us. This is what I'm gra grateful about today, which is back to the vulnerability, right? Yeah. And then say, Janine, is there something you'd like to share that you're grateful for today? And, and the emotions immediately begin to balance, and you all start at a different place. But you're 100% right. If you don't have an organization that says that's okay, and it's okay for me to understand that some employees are going to go, uh-uh. Right. Not for me. Mm -hmm. And the first time you hear, uh-uh, that you don't run and hide. Right. That you're okay with that and allow that. It's not okay for Jenny and don't want to do it. That's okay. We're going to keep doing this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Totally. Totally. I mean, I and you got to something else that I was thinking, which is that there's a penchant when you're deploying these things to want every single person on your team to be on board. And this is, again, coming back to the whole psychological safety piece is that I don't think for the past 30 or 40 years we've recognized the individual. We, we have a set of practices or best practices as we call them, and we expect everybody to adhere to it. And the reality is, is everybody has a thing. We're humans, right? And so it's like maybe I don't feel like being vulnerable with this team for whatever reason. Or maybe I don't feel like being vulnerable today. And it's like we've got to be able to allow for those one-offs, um, and we've not got to not see it as a negative or treat it as a negative and penalize people. Because I think that's part of the reason why we're at where we're at now is that when people did not fall in line under the bell curve, it was like something's wrong with you. And so we're, we're going to look at you and, and figure out, like, what that performance thing is or what that, that interpersonal thing is and try to make you something different. And actually, Gary Hamill just talked about it in the keynote about, like, you know, emotional courage and 
and how like bureaucracy has made um, the workplace a bit of a caste system. And I wanted to like throw my shoe and like, you know, scream because it's so, it's so true, it's true. that people are in the workplace as programmable somethings um, to the tune of whatever that culture needs to be. Um, but I, I love the fact that that mindful moments thing is powerful because I think the research shows is that like you can't just have somebody change. Change is really hard right. to do, but if you can get people to commit to little bite-sized pieces of right. the change, then you can get there eventually as long as you're open to exactly. the gradual change, you know, like right. that it's episodic and that kind of thing. So that's awesome. And yet the whole idea around reprogramming your brain through these kind of practices is to become more tolerant and and embracing differences, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, a lot of the practices that we have is to look at something from a different angle and to break out of those existing patterns because all biases, all biases all come from the same brain function, which is fast thinking, making jump conclude, jumping to conclusions, right? All of them come from that same brain. Daniel Kahneman started all this. You know, thinking fast and slow. You read that book. It's awesome. Of course, I'm a nerd, not like that stuff. I'm a nerd, too. We're in good company here. I'm a total nerd. But the fact is that what you can do through being in the present moment and recognize, just recognizing the fact that I'm judging. I'm making a biased decision. Like judging someone because they don't want to participate. Maybe it's a cultural difference. And I'll give you an example. Back at my my former uh, employer, there was this brilliant uh, Hispanic woman. And she was um, very reserved in her demeanor. Very reserved. Um, And whenever we went to this meeting, and we women know that we have to appear a certain way. Sure. We're expected to smile at you, and if we don't smile at you, then we're called a name. Right. And and we and men and men and women. It's not just men do this. Yes. Men and women judge a woman mm-hmm. based on facial expressions in the way we do this. Now, this woman was socialized a different way. She was very by her personality and the way she was socialized. She was not like that. But she was very thoughtful and the kindest human being you'd ever met. My boss always used to say to me, I don't know what's wrong with her. Why does she look at me like that? And I would say, what are you talking about? I don't get it. Why don't you take time to get to know this person, or at least recognize that you might, the possibility that you might be wrong about that. So that's that whole cultural sensitivity thing. And it so resonates with me because I get it. You know, so uh, Latina, Asian... Um, African-American or any part of the African diaspora for that matter there's this thing and I'm itching for people to know um, that you know you're brought up to assimilate as closely to white as possible right for whatever that is good bad or indifferent right and so when you go to the workforce it is well known it's put in you from a really early age that you keep your head down you don't fraternize a whole lot and you get the job done and you and I know 
that that doesn't translate very well in corporate America, right? Because a huge portion of your success in corporate America is is social. Exactly. Not what you know, who you know, and who you're hobnobbing with and keeping into it, right? Exactly. And so, from a cultural perspective, if you haven't gotten that at home. Right, and they certainly, for most of us of a certain age at least, it hasn't been impressed upon us through our schooling. Then you're already well behind the eight ball entering the workforce and being penalized for it for no reason, right. quite frankly, right. other than people not understanding that particular cultural lens. You know, and that is so well said, and I certainly don't have that perspective, but I have the perspective of being a female in the workplace and being the only one at a senior level. And so our whole, my whole mission, my mission in life, for whatever balance I have left of this, is to help organizations not put programs, if I, I'm going to teach you how not to be biased. <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you that Impossible. diversity is good. I'm going to tell you, yes. tell you, tell you, tell right. you, engage your left brain without and really understanding, deal with the underlying issue. The underlying issues we all form judgments quickly. And then if you can just slow that process down, which is what mindfulness does, right? slow that process down just long enough to doubt that you might not be right about this person. That's person, thing, decision, or whatever. Let new information in. We're taught to have the right answer. Right. And if you don't have the right answer, you're bad. And who says it's the right answer? It's whoever is asking the question, right? What is right anymore? Exactly. <laughs> and so my mission in life is to not not necessarily um, solve all those problems in the world, but to help organizations start helping just make small steps towards those things, which is why I fell in love with the whole concept of mindfulness, because my, my belief is that over the next few years, we're going to see that's a fundamental, that's a foundation to living healthy. It's a foundation for us all living well together. It will help us make better decisions, more compassionate decisions. And by the way, we're probably going to live longer because of it. Oh, God. Because yes. of the negative bias. You know, it's not a cure-all for everything. No. It's like, um, this is the big argument, not an argument, debate I have when I talk with um, organizations. And they want to run it like a course. Oh, when they complete all this, I said, well, first of all, you're never going to be done. I've been practicing a long time, and I refresh and come back. It's a practice. It's a skill. It's not a religion. It's not a. It's, it's none of that. It's just training your brain. Take it out of the, out of that mystical world and bring it as a way to help your people have critical thinking skills. If you want to think about it that way, you know. So it's just foundational. But we're. I don't want to be the the communication piece of this. I don't want people to think it's it's um it's airy fairy either. Right. It's real. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we decided we really have real tools that business people um, need and want. How often are they practicing? What are the outcomes that are, that are actually being de delivered from this? So we have the ability to help them build a business case based on, like, for example, we've got a healthcare company that says we're worried about stress. Stress in our um, 
ER. Mm -hmm. And so I said, great. Let's put this program in place. We'll do a business case around stress. And mindfulness has been proven to reduce stress. That's the number one thing it does. So here's an instrument that you can use. We'll use the pre and post on it. And it's all around perceived stress. Mm -hmm. We didn't change a damn thing. Right. It's just how they perceived it. Got it. Major shifts in eight weeks. And they were like going, good, we're done. No. <laughs> right. It's like, no. It's like no, no, exercise. no. That's not how this works. You can, you can read the book on an exercise or you yep. can go to an eight-week training program. Mm -hmm. And then what? Right. Well, you're going to get fat and unhealthy again. <laughs> Yes. It's the same thing. Sure. So we're still in the beginning of really understanding that, right? but it's a practice. And so it lives on and on and on. So our challenge as a provider is coming up with continually refreshing and sustaining it. You see what I mean? So when they get that initial bump, and then they go, oof. Right. And so now we're experiencing, they go through this, and then they go down. So how do we bring it back up? So it's going to always be that up and down movement. But how do we help an organization sustain it? Now, I don't have the answer to that yet. Yeah. And I think that the answer that's going to lie in each individual company and how they how aggressive they want, do they recognize it, right? right? And so I think that's a, the big problem that all of us that are trying to make some major changes in organizations are so awesome. So I wanted to talk to you because we started talking about it a bit on the way here about yeah. like, you know, this veil that seems to have been lifted and suddenly it's like the woman has been yeah. thrust to the forefront. Suddenly we know something or we've got something, some piece to the puzzle of right. society, workforce, etc. that's going supposed to deliver us right. from all the evils. How are you feeling right now in terms of you being a female founder and like the work that all of us kind of had ahead of us um, in this world? Like I feel like it's so large. It's like before I felt like I was running a company, it was my company and I was yeah. doing this and suddenly yeah. I feel like, well, there's an impact to be made here. Right. Um, so like I'm curious, like what have been your revelations around a lot of the things that have been happening, Me Too movements and Time's Up, like how are you feeling? Well, I, I have all kinds of emotions around that, but I will say there, there are a couple of things that bother me, and, I, and I, I'm not sure I can be as articulate on it, I'll maybe just express emotions around it, is that the Me Too feels a little selfish as well. When I say me, right. it's, it's about us, and us not mean just women, it's the world, right? And so, if this is the way that we get some movement towards a more positive place, I am 100% aligned, but it... But if it becomes where it now becomes uh, women versus men, that is like a lose-lose thing. Absolutely. And I think that men are suffering a lot right now, just men in general, good men, men that have always tried to do the right thing. They're like, oh, well, how do I act differently? Yeah. Uh, do I need to act differently? How do I understand that? And I think that more dialogue and more... more um, people embracing that instead of, because I have, for all the years I was in the workplace, I have resisted being part of women's groups. Resisted. Same. Didn't want to be part of that. And I'm not sure necessarily there were no reasons either. There were, I didn't want to be identified with that group. Right? And so I wanted to be part of the mainstream. And so if I were going to be mainstream, I didn't go do that. But now I can see a change in myself. Oh, the organizations that I associate with now are those that are women really trying to help women, particularly the younger women. 
you know, I'm long past trying to climb a career ladder, mm -hmm. but I want to help other young women that are coming along. And young to find anybody younger than me, which is most of the world. <laughs> Most of the world. I can't tell. I can't tell, guys. No, Trust me, I know. she's fabulous. I know. But, you know, <laughs> I always say anybody that's younger than me. And, and whatever that is, not tell them, like, not be the, um, the sage on the stage, so to speak, but to help this woman, coach this woman, give them an outlet, a safe outlet to talk. And I personally do a lot of that. You know, there are a lot of women that call me, I got this issue, can I just talk to you about this? Just having our confidence to do that and to make them, and to help them feel they're not crazy. So that part. So it is, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. That's not lost on me. Yeah. And so I feel like I've been having a lot of discussions around like, you know, what is it, what is this thing of mental health? Like, why is there such a stigma? And even more so, I feel like we, I mean, I think it's for men across the board and women, but right. I, I feel like women feel it harder because we are very emotional beings. Right, right. And, and particularly with the workforce, there really isn't a safe place for that. So there's right. a thing called, um, you know, they, they've got like employee wellness or um, that rooms. kind of, right. right. And so it's like you go there and you can learn some, some activities that might help that, but it does not ever really get to the crux of what, is particularly bothering you. I mean, we know that there are a number of different things. There's, right. there are dep there's depression, there's bipolar, there's right. all these things. And then even without giving it a name, there's just this kind of tumultuousness that we all experience right. of emotion, right? right? That deserves right. some space right. and some, some um, you know, latitude. Right. Um, and you don't get that. It's like, I can't express that. Where do I express that? Um, right. You know, and mostly it's with our girlfriends. But how awesome would it be if we all felt comfortable enough to just say, hey, I'm having a bad day and I'm feeling really in the dumps now or I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I know as an entrepreneur, I, right. I get there. Yes. I'm sure you've been there, all, right? Absolutely. When everything you've ever dreamed of is right there, you yeah. can touch it. Right. Um, and that's awesome and momentous. But then you're also faced with, wow, well, there's another growing pain and Yes. You know, and so yes. like you don't want to seem ungrateful right. for it. You right. know, you don't want people to think you're crazy because it's like, but but yet there's a palpable feeling. It's like right. where do you lay that? Right. <laughs> you know. So right. I think in every uh, aspect, it's really about this safety we're lacking. Agree. Um, to just really be ourselves, to be human. I don't know when right. that happened. <laughs> you know, like well, I'm not sure, but it's just like. This is where we're at. Yeah. And so, like, to your point, I'm 100% on board in the sense that I feel like men have to be part of this conversation. Absolutely. They cannot be excluded. Um, I think part of the issue also is that they've never been given the safety right. to, you know, exhibit that softer side. Right. Feminine, if you will. It's, right? Because we, we both are, we are yin and yang. Yes, we are. Right? So that we are just as every bit masculine as women as we are feminine and vice true. versa the same. That's true. We're human what, beings. Right. And so they have had to really hold right. this role down of got to be tough, got to be the provider, got to be, right? And so now it's like, let's beat up on the men, all of them. Exactly. <laughs> because of a few bad seeds. Right. A lot of bad seeds. A lot of bad seeds. Right? <laughs> a lot of bad seeds, right? <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. I'm I'm uncomfortable with it. I'm with you as well, and and the whole thing of about emotions, right? I've been studying this for, for seven years. Is that 
men and women um, experience emotions at about the same rate. The difference, the difference is that we, we as women have been socialized that, it, that it's okay for us to express emotion, right? Now when we get into the workplace, we have a whole another set of rules. We have to learn that we have to back off expressing some of those emotions and be a different kind of person to fit in, right? But the, back to the, the men and men and emotions is men have bottled that up. Oh, there's a lot of research that points that men suffer more stress, more anxiety and depression than we know uh, because they're not able to express it. I mean, they were never socialized to right. do that. And so it's not okay to say, I'm feeling sad today. Right. You know, a woman might be able to go tell a friend, tell her girlfriend, I feel like feeling sad today. I'm just not feeling like I can get anything done. And they'll say, hey, here's some things you can do, you know, blah. A man, where does a man go to say that? Right. You can't go say that to another man. No. They, they, won't, they right. won't do it. It's right. like man up. Exactly. That's what, yeah. I mean, I can remember when I was a little girl. Is that if I bumped, if I hurt myself, my daddy would be, he'd come from the south. He'd come over and he'd grab me. Honey, that's okay. You just cry it out. My brother would do it and he'd say, Buck up there, buddy. Yep. Yeah. He says, You know, go stick that lower lip out and I'll step on it for you. Oh, wow. You yeah. know, it's one of those kind of things. Yeah. And that's why, and I think, and I think if you watch boys and girls being raised today, it's not that different. No. <laughs> no. It's not that different. So we're, we're kind of denying the emotionality in the workplace. When you get people, yeah. Not men, anyway, just people in the workplace. We have emotions. We are emotional human beings. Right. We're not just thinking machines. We're not an AI technology running the workforce yet. Right. <laughs> but imagine, but imagine, but we're we're building that. See, like some so part of me is really excited about where the technology yeah. is going. I'm glad you went there. Yeah. And then the other day I had this epiphany and I said, Okay, I'm really excited about this and people are really scared about this. And like has nobody thought that we're creating this? It, it's not as if this is just created itself. We are creating other beings to think and feel. There is an experiment. There's a thought experiment somewhere in there, right? In that, yeah. like, we've backed off from thinking and feeling. And so now let's create something outside of ourselves that thinks and feels. It's weird, isn't it? it there's something there. I'm going to keep working at that, but I'm not. That something about that is odd. Yeah, it is odd, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, there, there, there's many vendors here that have the artificial intelligence. So I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this. Now I'm, I'm a few decades older than some of the, the people that are developing. So I'm like going, I think that looks like snooping on spying on your employees. What it feels like, yeah. looks like, right? Right. I'm like going. I wonder if there's going to be an opposite and equal, maybe even more powerful negative reaction to installing that. I understand the power of trying to figure out what everybody's doing, what everybody's feeling, trying to figure out in the collective instead of how Janine is feeling today right. and having an individual conversation about what's going on with her. But we use all this data to know how to do things. There's something, something about that. I'm not saying it's bad. No, but it warrants... I think before we fully get there, yeah. it warrants some exploration, perhaps by those of us, you and I, yes. who are willing to think about it in this way, because I am not opposed to the forward movement. It's how we've always progressed as a species, yeah. so I understand the necessity, but I'm almost like, can we pause a second and really take in like some of the dystopian aspects of 
what this might bring to the table because it warrants some exploration, I think. Yeah. And I think some, you know, here people are really hyped about it. You're going to hear it oh. in the next day and a half quite a bit. I, I mean, with enthusiasm. And, it, and not that it doesn't warrant that, but there's just something to, hey, we are creating this. So, like, are we fearful of ourselves? Like, I, I have an IO background, so I'm a, psych, I'm a psychological yeah. kind of person. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, are we fearful of ourselves? That so much so that we cre we're creating something in our own image. Right. It is right. almost, it, it, there's, there's religious. Like the matrix, isn't right, it? Right. There's, there's this religious <laughs> implication. There's just, like, something here that's wrong. And I have yeah. to get to the bottom of it. I know. I know. Right? And maybe, maybe we're just And maybe not. we won't. Maybe it won't be in my <laughs> lifetime or yours. Yeah, I don't know, but on. it. But at least we can have a conversation about it. Yeah, you know? the whole data thing. That's a whole whole nother thing. So yeah. I want to kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Um, in, in the interest of time, tell people where they can find Level Head. Um, you know who they should contact if you're on social media. What's yeah. next? We are at just getlevelhead.com. Okay. You can sign up, receive our blogs, or sign up for additional information. We're also in that we've got a, uh, a 12-month product development uh, rollout, where this is this is phase one of our digital platform. Phase two is a retail product that is designed for individuals to, to be able to purchase. It's the kind of thing that our organization doesn't do it, which uh, will have some additional features like a friends and family so that you can invite people to be on your journey with you for development. So if you have a group of girlfriends or whoever it is that you are on a development path, you can do that as well. And then we have more uh, development for our, to create a more open platform for other kinds of content that can go on to it as well. So we're continuing to innovate. We are a test and learn organization, mission driven to help change the workplace. As bold a statement as that is, we're gonna take whatever bite of that we can and we invite other people that are like-minded people to join our our uh, our movement. Awesome! This is so awesome. I'm so glad I met you. So glad! Like this I is going to be amazing. To, I'm so excited. We have to see in touch. Yes, we definitely will. So thank you so much, Sandra. I hope you thank learned you. more about Levelhead. Please, please, please follow up. Go to their website. Um, follow her work. It's for people that know me know that I'm very particular about who I interview and who I co-sign because I'm very huge on being mission-driven and doing something great, impactful, not yeah. for the sake of just saying, like, I'm in business to be in business. So follow her and, and her and her business. And I'll be back with other interviews. So thank you so much for listening. Take care.